Hello, everyone. Today with me, I have a woman who has done a chorus line cabaret, Hades Town. We are the Tigers, the Cleopatra experience, and she can currently be seen as the one who survived in six. I have the wonderful Sydney Para. Hi, Sydney. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I finally got you on the podcast. I know. I finally have a spare minute. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So how I know you is we both went to Ithaca College. Um, you were a senior while I was a freshman. Mm-hmm. And um, you were in, and I remember I would hear like various names like being dropped like as I was there. And I was like, okay, Sydney Parr, I know her. And everyone was like, mm-hmm. and, Ca- and everyone was like, when Cabaret was announced, everyone was like, oh, Sydney Parr is going to be Sally Bow. She's going to be great. And I'm like, I don't know who this is, but okay. <laughs> um <laughs> my my um like i was like because what we for our the first season it was we did angels in america and i was like oh that was fantastic and then we did one town which everyone hated but i loved okay well that's uh, if you loved it then you loved it i remember that one being not a highlight in my career (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we had fun though we had fun and then we did in the red and brown water which was a show um uh-huh. and then and then it was and then it was the that was this fall and then it was the spring which was um cendrillion cendrillion whatever it was right it was born. oh yeah oh yeah it was the opera right yes yeah. and then it was yeah. something was it another i think it was another play there was another play and then there was there was like the music department musical which was Little Women. Yes, which I saw. Yeah, that like, was like the concert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it was Cabaret. And so I, so my expectations were already very, my expectations were lowered because the shows in between <laughs> Wonderful Town and Cabaret, I was, like, I was like, this is, this, my ex. So I went in and also I went in there because I had to see it because um, for, uh, I think I had, did I have script analysis? I can't remember. Oh, Either yeah, way. script analysis. Yeah, that makes sense. That would track. It would have been my second semester there. So, yeah, so script mm-hmm. analysis. And we mm-hmm. had to see all of it, so we had to, like, talk about it all. And we right. had to be like this. So I saw it, and I remember when we when it first started, like, first, we'll get into it. But first of all, I don't think Catherine should ever direct anything again. <laughs> Does she still, she's still there. Right? No, she, um, so after yeah. everything with COVID happened, um, like so, my senior year, she, le- um, she left and she said, "I'm stepping away." And then we were going to have a year where, um, Steve, oh yeah, Steve Tenike and Doctor Dale were going to be like co-chairs. Oh my God! Yes, a Doctor Dale, honestly, great choice. Oh, but then she, um, then she stepped down because she was like, "I can't handle this right now," and I was like, "Okay." Fair. And then, um, but then for some reason, something happened with the woman who does London. Like she died, I think. Oh my god! Wait, is that real? Did I believe that so. Happen? I believe because yes. We heard this, like we heard this as a rumor, <laughs> but we really just like didn't have any information. Like I remember us googling it, like we were trying to find out if she had actually passed away, and I guess she did. That's she that's did. crazy. Because then Catherine took over that for at least I think a year or two, just because it happened out of nowhere and they didn't have anyone. They never replaced it. Yeah. So anyway, so 
So I went in and I remember I was not invested in like the first five minutes, but then as soon <laughs> as you stepped out, I was like, because there were just questions that I had overall because like my main thing being like the whole Bobby and Victor thing where like one of them was played by Sush Masaha who was, was on the podcast and who we all like, know and love. Yes. Yeah. But she's like a short Indian um, person. And then yeah. Will Tams as the other, who's this tall white guy. And I'm like, and there's literally a joke in the script. That's like, there's only one way to tell them apart. And it's like a dick joke. And I'm like, but that. Yeah, it was, they were trying to be very, uh, they were trying to be radical with the casting for, <laughs> for a cabaret. It didn't work, um, but <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was it could have used more direction for sure. I really have been itching to get my hands on a bootleg version of that show. I don't know if it exists. It probably exists in the archives of Ithaca College somewhere. Yeah. But I just am dying to see it because honestly, I feel like I blacked out that entire process. <laughs> like it was also at the most chaotic time of like your Ithaca College career, it was yeah. second semester senior year. And this I feel like studies, graduation. Exactly. Showcase, like all of this stuff was happening at the same time that as much as like cabaret was like such a dream for me, like honestly, I say this all the time. Like I peaked at Sally Bowles. Like <laughs> getting getting a, a lead in an Ithaca College main stage was more cutthroat than any audition experience I have had outside of college. I swear. Like those those auditions used to drive us crazy. Um, and as much as I was like so thrilled to have the part, there were so many other things happening at that time that I like honestly barely remember the rehearsal process. I barely remember doing the show. I think it was good. I remember it, it being was... like I, I remember doing like a like a half decent job. But I really want to watch a bootleg because I just gotta know. Like I gotta know what it was like. Oh, sorry. Bless you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> You, I just remember being impressed by you as Sally, um, Hannah, and Mackie as the two old people whose oh, names I'm so forgetting. Good. They were so. Oh, uh, I forgot. It was Fräulein yeah. Schneider and Schneider. Frau Schultz. Frau Schultz. That's it. <laughs> Ten and points. I just Ten remember. I just remember being obsessed with that. And I also, I really enjoyed um, Corey as um, Cliff, which I know a lot of people didn't. I'm like, why? He was good. He was so lovely. And I think he, it's so crazy because Corey has one of the most beautiful voices. Like that boy can sing. Mm -hmm. And they never gave him a role where he sang. Like Cliff doesn't sing in cabaret at all. And I was always like, why do they keep doing this to this man? Like, let this boy belt. Like, he's so, he's so damn good. But yeah, so I was obsessed with your Sally Bowles because I remember um, specifically the one line that I drove my one, that I drove my one boyfriend crazy with was, it was, you know, Cliff, just how you <laughs> said it. I was just obsessed. And I remember when I saw you in Hades Town, I said that to you. <laughs> I love that. I know. I always think back, and I'm like, I hope my dialect work was okay. I thought it was I think, good. I mean, I think even it was then, pretty good. I mean, even then, for me, I'm like, I can handle like a little like mixed, like a little like wonky dialect if the performance yeah. overall is fantastic. I mean, yeah. 
like look i mean like terry hatcher who literally ironically i just watched like her perfectly marvelous earlier today and yeah. like her accent work was not i say this with love it was not all there but i mean terry hatcher is just incredible absolutely it doesn't even matter have you seen the videos of of um madeline brewer on the west end as sally bowles they're doing i like have that. not oh i, I watched God. the sophie isaacs um thing at the uh, olivier's which i was Olivier like what Wars. the fuck i was like bananas what the bananas so crazy that it show looks really are you kidding me i have been i have been willing this into existence i don't there's no world in which i want to play sally bowls on broadway like that's <laughs> so emotionally draining but i want to be in the Kit Kat Club more than anything else. Like, it's, if they bring that here, I will fight tooth and nail. They're, tr they're they were originally going to bring it. This is all allegedly. Mm -hmm. They were originally going to bring it this pat this like twenty twenty two to twenty twenty three, but timing and scheduling couldn't work out. Right with everything that's opening right now. Um, and because but, and also the theater that they wanted. Um, they were also still like finalizing a lot of things and the theater that they yeah. wanted, there was another show that was vying for it and they had already had everything finalized. Right. Well, that's great for me because I have how many months left? I have six months <laughs> left of this contract. So if they can hold out for six months, I so would be thrilled. Yeah. So they're trying for the 2023, 2024, Love um, it. season, um, and Yes, but also I think they're also they were also like kind of grateful that they had this extra time because it allows them to get more money. Right, right, right. Um, I'm hoping that I wonder if they'll bring like Eddie Redmayne. I'm sure that they'll bring the Star Set cast. What? Really? They're um. This is again. This is all allegedly. They were originally trying to get Lady Gaga for Sally. But for the Broadway transfer, but they couldn't get it to, they just, and she was originally like, yes, I'm down for it. I, no, now this is, I don't think, I, no, I don't think she, I think she was interested. But right. then I think Joker 2, Joker 2 happened and then she right. has something else in the works. Um, but she, I know, she, but like, I would love to see her Sally Bowles, but I also, I really want to see her do a Victor Victoria revival. Oh my God, that would be absolutely brilliant. She needs to be on Broadway, but I do feel like at this current time, she's still so famous that like, how is that going to work? Like, what are ticket prices going to look like? Like, well, what she's is never, like... She's never really been, like, I would, now this is just me probably projecting, but I always feel like she would definitely, if she were to go to Broadway, she would be yeah. a producer as well. That way she would have, because she's never been the type where, like, when she goes on tour, she's like, $8 million ticket prices. Because she knows her you're fans right, are right. rich. She likes to, you know, they're still, like, fairly expensive, but they're not, like, outrageous. Yeah, it's not, it's not like Taylor Swift prices. Which is, like, like $1,000 for, like, back literally. row in the middle of Nebraska. <laughs> literally, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, that would be so cool. I would die for that. I remember everyone was like, oh, she's going to do Broadway and Funny Girl. And I was like, I don't think she can do Fanny Bryce. I don't think that I, hypothetically, sure. Like, maybe like a movie version. Yes. I just, I just don't, I, I don't see it. 
I don't see it for the big fans. Yeah, I think her because her style. I think her style of comedy would be very. It would not translate to the stage. I agree. I agree. I think like the funny aspect would perhaps be missing, which feels <laughs> important. <laughs> but uh, um, I, I hear Leah Michelle is great, though. I haven't seen the show, but I hear she's fantastic. No comment. Um, <laughs> Did you see it? You saw no, it already. I, I've I've heard it and um, no comments. Okay, cool. I literally haven't. I have heard nothing. I have seen nothing. The internet has been really good at keeping the videos. Like, girl, are you looking in the right places? Probably not. Everybody always gets their videos on like Tumblr and stuff, right? Like everybody's doing like. Oh the, no, girl! The, I'll, the... I'll send you some links on YouTube if you want. Oh please! I'll send do. you some please. YouTube videos. Please do. <laughs> but I my personal favorite. That. My personal favorite Fanny of this revival is Julie Benko. Um, oh. but I. My dream two fannies are Annalisa Vanderpool and um she was in that right and yes. Lindsay Mendez. Because oh. Annalisa wants to do it. She's been like she's like ever like she posted this one photo where she's like where she like had like this leopard jacket like Barbara had in the opening scene of the movie. And she like tagged it, hello gorgeous, and she did like the side profile. And then I'm like, I'm like, get on it, get on it, because her voice would just also. Be- she, her voice is fantastic. Her voice is phenomenal. She also is absolutely hysterical. Like she was giving us like top tier comedy when we were children. She's I, brilliant. I think the show that would be a perfect choice. I saw her in the Disney Princess concert with my brother because I went mainly for her. Mm-hmm. And I met her afterwards, and she, like, she stayed for almost, like, an hour afterwards talking to me and talking to other people. And I was so, like, I was doing everything in my power just to maintain <laughs> eye contact. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Just to maintain eye contact and look like a normal human being. That, yeah. like, I wouldn't even process everything she was saying. Like, she would tell a joke, and then, like, two minutes later, I'd be like, ah! <laughs> and- Oh, she seems so sweet. She seems like she a really good so- person. Yeah, I think she would fit in with, like, the theater scene in a really, like, seamless way. Like, and, like, there I think, like, she auditioned for Wicked as Glinda, and I was like, first off, she should not have to audition. Um, Absolutely not. Also, because she could play Glinda or Alphaba. I was gonna say, I feel like Alphaba is more her track. <laughs> I think Alphaba voice-wise, but Glinda comedy-wise, but I think, I'm like, come on, let her be yeah. Louise Dearman and do both. Absolutely. Um, 100%. And then she also auditioned for... Um, Lauren in Kinky Boots, which again, I'm like, why did she have to audition? And also, why didn't she get it? <laughs> like, what? She's so good. I also feel like perhaps like these older casting folks don't recognize how much we would freak out over her being on Broadway. She was huge for us. Like, she was a I mean, big she deal did for beauty, our generation. She did Beauty and the Beast, which was like, and apparently they had a lot of like really great ticket sales when she was in it. So I'm like, I think I saw her in that. Fuck you. I think I did. I was probably like maybe like six years old, but I think I did see her in that. Um. Anyway, we'll get, let's get back to you because we got off on a tangent there. That's um, okay. You know, I could talk about these things for literally the rest of my life. So, so again, you're you're. I'm gonna go back to the Sally Bowles because I was obsessed with it. One of the things <laughs> that I wrote was because 
one, one of my things that I was obsessed with with your Sally was that you didn't, like, you slinked, but not really. You didn't slink, so I'm going to say you slonked because <laughs> slinking to me, it's very much like what Andre DeShields does where he's like, Yes. Whereas you were yes. a little bit more like your center of gravity was a little bit off. It wasn't drunk, but it yeah. was just sort of like you were like, oh, if my body's going this way, we'll go this way. And yeah, I yeah, was yeah. just obsessed <laughs> with I remember it. The, co- the costumes really helped with that. I remember they gave me these like knee high, high heeled boots, um, which were like brilliant. I kind of wish that I bought those off of the costume department you didn't just steal um, them that's what i would have done i know everybody used to like take their stuff and i always was so scared i was like i don't want to get in trouble um <laughs> but i really love those shoes and i remember the costumes really helping with like the movement work that i did in that show so now how did you approach the role of sally especially because she's not supposed to be a good singer yeah how it was you- i mean that part was hard for me because um especially in the college setting and especially when you finally get your lead role at school, there is like this pressure to be like, yeah, I can sing. Like you want to like show everybody what you can do and sort of putting that aside for this show and being like, what services the story best is a person who is perhaps maybe untalented to some degree. Um, These are people who are working in the nightlife scene in Berlin and you know you have to find the 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 balance there um and sort of like letting go of the ego aspect of that and being like maybe it doesn't service the story to like be a pretty beltress and maybe sounding ugly is honestly the best move remember tucker do you remember tucker a little bit i don't think i've ever met him but i know of him yeah he was our choreographer for that show i remember we talked a lot about the character together and um filled her with my my own personal you know nuances and I filled her with backstory um because she is a very elusive character you, we honestly don't know much about her there's even a line where she's like um he asks her a question I think like where she's from and she's like don't ask me questions I'm <laughs> like you just never get any backstory so it really leaves it up to the interpretation of the actor um but yeah, I, I found that letting go of the ego aspect of the music was hard for me. Cause I was like, I'm not going to do it pretty. I'm just going to do it raw. Which um, is what we need to go back to as a whole with theater, not just. Oh yeah. For Sally. Cause anyway, I could go off on that. I could go. Cause like there were like, I'll go off on a brief tangent, but I saw the yeah, Les Mis tour. Um, uh-huh. The one with Christine and. I want to say, was it Nicole or Lexi? Nicole. Nicole. And for me, my main thing was the Fontaine, who I'm like, girl, you just like sold yourself to all these men. You just lost your job at the factory. You think your daughter's dying, and yet you look and sound like you're slightly inconvenienced and not emotionally devastated. Like, girl. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have this feeling about, um, Mimi Marquez's in in productions of Rent like this is a person who is on drugs she is an addict she's not supposed to be she's not supposed to look like she has her life together she's not supposed to sound like her life is together Daphne Rubenvega she threw her voice against the wall for that and she was incredible incredible 
And I, oh, I oftentimes feel that with that role in particular, where I'm like, guys, come on, sound ugly. Sound yes. ugly. It's not always and about sounding pretty. And I know everyone, like, people are just, like, people are like, well, Anne Hathaway went all over the, people like, well, Anne Hathaway went way too far. I was like, actually, no, she didn't. She did what she was supposed to. Anne Hathaway was so good. I thought that movie was incredible. I think I saw it, like, three times in theaters, which is, like, a collective nine hours watching the latest <laughs> <laughs> And I just remember I was, because, especially because I think that, like, with the movie, with how they rearranged some of the songs, I think it actually made the story stronger. Like, having oh, yeah. I Dreamed a Dream take place after Lovely Ladies, I'm like, that is incredible. And that I mean, that's just, like, good storytelling. Yes. Yeah. And I remember, and, like, especially, like, I think singing live really suited Anne because, you know, she's trained in the theta. And yes. I remember, um, actually, most of the cast were, I think. Except for Amanda, I think. Um, and so, yeah. like, and I but Anne was just... <sighs> You know she was supposed to play Bobby and Company. Well, not supposed to. They wanted her. Are you kidding me? And the, they wanted her in the West End production, and she said no, um, because I think she had just given birth to a child, maybe. Or, oh, that, well, that makes sense. But that how incredible would that have been? She would have and been so good. They offered her the Broadway contract, and they offered her even more money, um, and yeah. she said. And I, I think she just said, no, I want to spend time with my family. And which yeah, I'm like, yeah. very, I'm like, very, I'm like, fair, I'll accept that. And, but you need to come to Broadway. <laughs> Would it be her first Broadway show? Because that's like a big thing to take on. I believe it would be, but yeah, she had done other, she's done like other shows. Like she did that, that production of Twelfth Night with Audra McDonald and Raul Esparza. Oh yeah. She's Okay. Okay, Her mother yeah, played so, Fontaine in the Ute Les Mis tour. So um, she's not, like, completely a noob. No. Yeah, okay, great. I mean, maybe one day. I would love that uh, for her. It's gotta I be the right track, but... I mean, I want her to do a little night music with Julie Andrews. Ah. Uh, uh, I love it. everyone's like, Julie Andrews can't sing anymore! And I was like, okay, well, Madame Armfeld isn't really a singing role. Like... I th yeah, I don't think that matters. I was like, even then, like when she does sing, it's very low. Like, girl, Julie can get away with that. <laughs> Julie, that would be like that would be like her swan song. It would be actually so gorgeous to have her on stage again. And she would finally get her Tony. Um, does she never gotten a Tony? She's gotten a lifetime one, but she's never gotten like a. Oh, oh, how cool would that be? Um, and so, I mean, I think she would have gotten a Tony if, um, they transferred when she did, um, The King and I at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't uh, transfer that, though. Yeah. Was that, was that after, um, the Kelly O'Hara King and I? Or was that before? J Julie Andrews in The King and I? That would have been Oh, that was, yeah. That was before. That was before. <laughs> this would have been like... <laughs> I was like, Julie Andrews and the King and I. I was like, what? <laughs> like, I think it was in, um, it was after um, The Sound of Music, but I think it was before she did the Victor Victoria um, Broadway production. <gasps> Kitty. This is my cat. <gasps> she's really, she's very needy. Hi, baby. This is Boo. <laughs> she's really, she, she wants to be on the pod. Yes, that's all right. Do you have any? We have some questions for you, Boo. What is it like to be living with the most annoying person in the world? <laughs> she said, "Help, help me." 
Maybe. You want to sit? You could sit. Go ahead. So speaking. Some, some, you're going to hear her purring. I hope that's, that's okay. That's fine. It's all right. We don't mind a little okay. ASMR on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> Good. Beautiful. Perfect. So speaking of cats, a great transition is you did the Cleopatra experience. I did. I which did. I remember seeing you post photos of it and I'm like, this is, looks wild. And then I remember I read the, um, on the website, I read the, um, synop- what's the synopsis. Yeah. And it said, guests enjoy Cleopatra's lavish domain for the final night of her reign. This exhilarating experience pairs stunning choreography and historical drama with an original pop slash UDM score with an endless yep. bar and exotic delights. Guests party until the empire falls. Mm-hmm. How did yeah. this show come into your life? So I had heard about it um, through friends before I had auditioned because it had a little bit of a life before Mm -hmm. off-Broadway. Like they had tried it out at some like, um, I guess like, I guess they had workshopped it once or twice before. Um, And I got the audition through my agent and immediately I was interested because I love new shows. Like I just like new, new stuff. I like cool, interesting pop scores. I think when they're done well, they're really incredible. Um, and it was a couple rounds of auditions for that. And it was like right after college. And it was the first thing that I, that I booked out of school. Um, and the show itself was actually really, really interesting. Um, and it, it's exactly what they explained. Like it was an immersive EDM experience and our venue was under Chelsea market in a bar. Um, that had just opened at the time. So it was like a win-win for everybody. Like the bar was getting traction because the show was there. Um, and yeah, it was like a, a, an immersive nightclub experience. And there was a plot. There yeah. was a story. Um, honestly, in my opinion, there was maybe a little bit too much plot. Because like when people go, obviously they're intoxicated. Like that's what happens when people go to immersive shows. And honestly, I think there was too much plot for the drunk people to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, but the music was great. Um, Naya played Cleopatra. She went on to do um, Carolina Change. Yes. Um, the revival. Yeah, she was one of the... I've never seen the show, so honestly, I'm unfamiliar. She was one of the radios. Like, she was and one I of the remember radios. on my Spotify wrapped, um, there's this one song at the beginning of the opening of Act 2. It's like... It's like they're like they're like time has passed. It's Christmas time, so they're like Santa. They sing the song like where it's like Santa come and Caroline, are the herald joy divine, jingle bells just to feel the pine. I could do the whole thing, and I remember I had listened <laughs> to it so much that yeah. it was on my Spotify Wrapped as my number one most. Played it was song. your top song. It was <laughs> in my top five of and, all the songs. And I shared that on Tumblr, and Naya was obsessed with, not Tumblr, t- Instagram, and Naya was obsessed yeah. with it. She was like, that is so you funny. better be playing this even more now that it's Christmas she said, time. play it every day. Oh my god, that's so funny. Naya's voice is absolutely ridiculous. Oh, I ridiculous. was obsessed with the radios and with Sharon yeah. Clark, who were just... Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. my God. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, uh, the music is beautiful. Um, but yeah, so Naya was our Cleo- Cleopatra in the show. Um, 
And yeah, it was, it was a wild experience. Doing immersive theater is something that, uh, really tough to do. It's hard to do. It's hard to execute well. Um, the formula has to be really perfect in order to get the audience to be engaged enough to follow plot. The direction, how you use the space is really important and hard to pull off. And we, we hit a lot of walls doing that, doing that show. Again, I think the plot was like very dense for like the EDM vibe. Like it probably would have done better in like an, uh, an appropriate theater, like great Comet style immersion. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, it's not really, it's interactive more than it is immersive. Mm -hmm. Um, So the show had a much shorter life than we had intended. Um, But we did release a soundtrack. The music, sometimes, honestly, I listen to the music for fun. Like, it's good. It is like good pop music. Um, And I hear that potentially they're going to take it somewhere else. This is a rumor I've heard. I think it would do great in Vegas. that's the like there are shows where I'm like I'm like this would do great like I think that like I mean I know Six is currently doing like a residency in Vegas but I think like yeah. a, a long in a production of Six in Vegas would be incredible because I think it's yeah. great it's a quick one in one out it's a quick like they didn't what they wouldn't even need to cut anything because it's the perfect yeah. length for a Vegas show you can if you just double cast it you can do like four shows a night even. absolutely I mean the Vegas so we opened in Vegas with Six and honestly it fit like a glove in that setting. The audience like knows how to, how to play the game in Vegas because they're used to that sort of like no fourth wall um, type of theater. So they loved it. Um, And I know the girls, the Aragon tour there for a couple more weeks, but they're doing like the Vegas schedule. So they do a show at like 8 PM. They have like a half hour turnaround and then they do a show at like 10. Oh, that's so it's like the whole day. Yeah, they do nothing all day. They bang two out like in a row. And honestly, like with this show, uh, Jerry Ann, she plays Catherine of Aragon on my tour. Um, we share a dressing room and like it, it, we have like four or five hours in between shows on two show days because our show is so short. Yeah. And sometimes we're like, damn, let's just do it now. <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's just wrap it up now. Let's get the show I- on the road because it's so short. We have hours in between. I had Amy Ross on the podcast. Um, she was Alpha in the Wicked tour, and she was in Mamma yeah. Mia on the West End. And when she did yeah. Mamma Mia, they um, they would have two night shows back to back, so like five thirty and eight o'clock, or five and eight. <laughs> Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. And she was saying how like it was so much easier because she was saying like she was saying how essentially like you know as soon as the curtain came down for the first show they were like all right and that's 30 minute call <laughs> so yeah basically all... but she's like but she was saying how it's like it was so much nicer because then she had the full day to do stuff of course and also like especially with a show where you're moving a lot like six for us is constant dancing it's so deceptively hard like i remember when i first auditioned for the show and they were like you need to come in in person and dance because I was in LA at the time with Hades Town while I was doing my my tapes for six, mm-hmm. um, they were like, "We we need to see you in person to dance." I was like, "Why? Why do you need to see me in person? Why can't I tape it?" Like, it's the dancing isn't even that hard. The dancing is so hard. It's the hardest part of the show. Like, it's truly from top to bottom. It's cardio. It's like taking a Barry's boot camp class twice a day. <laughs> um, so with a show like that, honestly. 
in between when we have four or five hours, like our muscles get cold, our voices get cold. It's enough time for us to sort of like power down in a way that it's a lot of work to rev back up again to do the second show. So I would almost, I would almost prefer if it was like curtain comes down half hour till the next, you know? Cause that's how they do it on the West end. I think too. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. But I also think they do nine show weeks in the West End, which is... Do they really? Cra- I think so. Well, because they have, like, their union is strange over yeah. there. Yeah. So, you were in a very cult-ish musical called We Are the Tigers. <laughs> and I say yes. that with love, because I remember <laughs> I was online, and all of a sudden, like, on my Tumblr that I barely use anymore for my, like, my theater blog, and I remember... I would just see all these posts about, like, I would just see, like, all of a sudden, it was just one time where I was just scrolling, and it was just nonstop, like, Sydney Para, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then, (laughs) and, like, there were, like, there were, like, blogs dedicated to We Are the Tigers, and I was like, what is going on? And I remember then everyone always like people were like I remember one time I was like I was like I was like I was like I did not know that Sydney was doing this and I was like and I love Sydney I saw her in cabaret etc and all of a sudden like my DMs were like flooded like yeah. flooded with people being like what's Sydney like what's she do what like one someone asked me what her favorite food is what your favorite food was and I was like I have no idea <laughs> you're like I, was, like, I don't know <laughs> I was like I was like I've I've only seen her twice I saw her oh twice in cabaret and I haven't. I haven't even like I haven't talked to her besides saying, "Oh my God, you were great in cabaret on Facebook." Like <laughs> that's so funny. Like, I was like, yeah. I, don't, I I was like, I'm acquaintances with her, but I don't know her. Yeah, the internet really took "We Are the Tigers" and ran with it. Ran with it. It's like it sort of rode like the tail end of the Heather's wave. Like it's a teen slasher musical, all girls, and like the internet just ate it up and the music is good written by Preston Max Allen and he knows how to write like a contemporary theater bop like he started doing the show um concert style at 54 below and it very much fits that setting like you know like the like the 54 below show mm-hmm. like YouTube videos that we were consuming like crazy when we were younger um that's how the show sort of took off initially um, and it had a life in LA, I think, for a little bit. And then they, they continued to workshop it. And most of the girls had been involved with the show since like day one. I was a, I was a new addition, me and Zoe Jensen. Zoe Jensen is um, in the Broadway company of six right now. We were like the new additions to the show. Um, but we hopped in right when they were doing the off-Broadway run. And we did it in this like, tiny little rickety crickety theater on the lower east side but like low-key that theater was so wildly impressive with what it could do like it looked like broadway but the space itself was like i think it sat like 150 feet like it was so small um again that one had a short life as well but the soundtrack I think, like, after our, our closure, the soundtrack really picked up on the internet, like, out of nowhere, particularly in the middle of the pandemic. Like, I think people were really eager to consume new theater because we weren't getting any new theater. So people were sort of digging through the archives of soundtracks they could explore. 
Um, and a lot of people fell in love with the We Are the Tiger soundtrack in, in our quarantine days. And all of a sudden, it was like the show was getting so much attention and got this, like, like you said, cult following. And I remember yeah. there was like, there were like, there were bootlegs of it online. And I just, uh-huh. and I remember I was, I, I didn't watch any of them because I'm very like, I I used to love watching bootlegs, but now I'm very much like, I can't just because I'm very much a 70 year old woman in the sense that I need subtitles. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so, get that. I really got that. Um, like, so I, very yeah, so, um. I mean, it's on my list of things to watch, but like, it's just like, I've just been so busy lately. Um, yeah. And I remember, I wonder, is it still on the internet? Is it on YouTube still? I would pro- I probably could, and I could probably find it because with my connections. Yeah. I remember the full thing was on YouTube for a while. We, I, I watched it. It was like, yeah. it was a half decent recording of it too. It was pretty good. That's what, that's what one of my favorite things is that there were, is that the legally blonde pro shoot for MTV looks like it was filmed on a potato, but truly, the, but there is a like a bootleg of like Sarah Brightman and Michael Crawford in the original Broadway production of Phantom, and like the images are like crystal clear. You yeah. can like see their faces, their emotions, and I'm like, girl, MTV, you need to. They need tried to- their best. They really did. That that's an iconic video, though. I loved that. <laughs> I don't know if it's I just like I don't know if it's just like because they record because probably it was recorded off a of TV or I don't know but I'm like girl you need to because yeah. the people want it I would <laughs> oh yeah I've, I've watched that like recently too like I'm so it's... glad it exists on the internet but I think you're right somebody probably did record it from the TV like and I just like it, like yeah, it, that's an also that's an incredible show. It's the perfect example of a 21st century yeah. book musical. Oh my god, yeah! I think that Legally Blonde is absolutely brilliant, and uh, you know nowadays they are pumping out the movie musicals like crazy. Like we got Back to the Future now, and we had Mrs. Doubtfire and Tootsie and Pretty Woman, and like in my opinion, Legally Blonde was how you do it right. Exactly. Yeah. And like the fir- like the opening number, it perfect it is a perfect opening number. I remember oh my God, I agree. Carissa Hoagland, who I had, who was she said she said she said, I want to say that I think the opening of Legally Blonde is on par with the opening of Into the Woods. And I said, that is a very bold statement, but I'm also not going to deny it because... No, I don't deny. These, it's pretty accurate because you are you know the vibe of the show. You're introduced yes. to everyone. You know what you're getting into. You know what the vibe of the show is going to be. And it's it's a perfect opening because literally as soon as the curtain comes up and you see like you hear that and you see the giant house you're like oh i know what i'm in for absolutely it couldn't be more clear the tone is immediately apparent you're meeting all the characters you're getting plot right off the bat it's absolutely brilliant and it's also exciting like it's such an exciting opening number it's a hot yes and i remember um because i had a amy ross was l in the first you she understudied l in the first uk tour and I remember yeah. my favorite thing was she described Elle. She was like, she was like, it was like a hamster wheel because uh-huh. she's never really off stage and she just keeps going and going and going and going. Oh yeah. It's not, it's not an easy track because it's, it's, it's heavy lifting because it's also, it's a lot of high energy. Yes. 
Yeah. And whereas, you know, like Alphaba, sometimes she gets to just like sit and like slouch and be like, that's not fair. And then just like do other things. Yeah, there's there's moments that where you can conserve. But with Elle, it's like, I mean, it feels similar with Six as well. It's like mm-hmm. such a high energy show. And honestly, sometimes that's the hardest part. Like if you don't have it in you some days, it really feels like pulling teeth to like match the tone of the show and what it's asking of you. So... After We Are the Tigers, there was the pandemic. And then out of the pandemic, my first manifestation for you came true. Mm -hmm. You did Hades Town. Yeah. Where you understudied Eurydice and a fate. Yeah. Um, which I remember was wild when that happened. I was like, I was like, I was like, am I psychic? Because that's like the that's like (laughs) that's like the fourth, like the fourth or fifth time that has happened. I, I I properly guessed that Once on this Island was going into Circle in the Square. Oh yeah. I predicted Amy Ross in the second UK tour of he- of um Wicked. Uh-huh. Um There was you in Hades Town. Uh-huh. Then there was you in Six. <laughs> and there was a few other things that happened. Um I know you have the eye. You have the eye for it. It was like, I just remember I was like. (laughs) You should be in casting. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I mean, but I also, I want to do directing. I want to do directing. I got. um, Yeah. So, I mean, I am. Yeah. So anyway, so I manifested you as Eurydice. I didn't get to see you go on. You went on, I think, the stop Mm -hmm. after Philly, which how dare you. I know it um, took a long time for me to go on. It was like six months before so, I ended up doing my Eurydice track. So well, because this is obviously it's a they were had a lot of momentum going up, and I mean I think that the oh, pandemic yeah. slowed down the momentum a little bit, but it still it picked back up fairly quickly. So what yeah. was it like working? What was the audition process like for this show? Oh my god! So I don't know if you know this, but I I was an absolute Hades Town super fan, like. I heard this show for the first, I heard the uh, New York Theater Workshop soundtrack. Corey Klein actually showed it to me in college. And I remember listening to the music and being like, whoa, this is perfect. Like, this is exactly what I want to be doing. Um, And I remember finding out that the show had come and gone and that they didn't know what its life was going to look like going forward. And I was like, damn, I guess this is just one of those things that I can only admire from afar. Like I'll never see it in person. And so the show sort of ended up evolving. They did a, a run at the national. They did a run in Canada and that's when they took on Eva Noblezada. And I remember being like, okay, if she's going to play Eurydice, maybe there's a world in which like I actually fit in this show because I was like, we're kind of the same age. I feel like if perhaps our skill sets could be in alignment, depending on what they're asking of her in this show. And I was like, all right, maybe like if this keeps going, like I could be in this. So I kept a very watchful eye on Hades Town for the next couple of years. And then when they announced their Broadway run, I was banging on the door to get it. Like I was emailing my agent. I was showing up to every EPA. Um, I ended up getting my callback from waiting online and going to the EPA. Um, so it just goes to show like it's not completely unuseful sometimes if you're really right for it. Like sometimes they are looking. So it's worth it to like wake up early and get on the line. Um, so I, I went to the EPA and I got my call back through that. 
And I, I think I auditioned maybe upwards of like 10 times for different tracks along the way. I auditioned for some vacation swing, some uh, replacement stuff on Broadway. And the tour was like, was rumored that it was like coming down the pipeline. And so I knew that the things they had me in for at the time were not quite it. Like they had me coming in to like replace Afra Hines, who covers Persephone when she was on maternity leave. Like that, those were the only things open on Broadway at the time. I could um, see doing Persephone in a few years. Yeah, like I, it's something I could do, but I was like at the time also like 20, yeah. like I was so young. So it just like wasn't a, a, a perfect fit, but I knew if they were starting from the ground up, with the tour, there was absolutely a place for me somewhere. And I was like, it's a waiting game. I just have to wait. But they kept calling me in. So it felt like they, to some degree, liked me and were interested in me. Um, so when tour auditions came around, I was in from day one for both the track that I ended up booking and Eurydice separately. So they had me in consideration for both the ensemble track and for Eurydice proper. Um, and I remember the day of the shutdown was my final callback with Rachel Chavkin, Anais Mitchell, everybody. And Rachel had been in all of my auditions, honestly, up until then. Um, and the day of the shutdown was my final callback for Eurydice. And then we found out theater was closing for like you know, a month or maybe longer. We had no idea. So at that point, like I, I talked back and forth with casting for a bit and I was like, Hey, what's the deal? Did I get it? And they were like, no, you didn't get Eurydice. And I was like, okay, cool. But they were like, put a pin in it because we're not done with your ensemble track process yet. And that pin stayed in for what? Like how long, like a year, like we were shut like down for a year and a half. It was like a year and a half. Yeah. And so I just like, you know, it was one of those things that I had to really forget about. And then my, I think like as soon as there was like an inkling of theater reopening, I got an email that they wanted to do a, another round of tapes for me. I did those tapes and then I did a zoom callback with the entire creative team on my computer. I did it in my kitchen and I booked it off of that Zoom callback. At that point, they had seen me like 15 times. So it was like, what more do you want to, what more do you want to say? So I was good to know that I had work coming at the very tail end of the lockdown and like theater reopening. And we were one of the first tours to go out um, once the world started turning again. And we opened in um, the Kennedy Center, which was amazing. Um, and yeah, then I was on the road with Town for I think like 10 ish months before yeah. six whisked me away yeah so how challenging was it to work on that double or was it a triple revolve i think it was a triple it was just it was just that we only had a single because they couldn't travel a triple so we just had one giant revolving piece as opposed to on broadway where they have like an inner ring that goes up and down obviously you're going to see goes Mm. she goes through the floor that piece used to turn and go up and down then they had two rings outside of that that went opposite directions wait i could um, have sworn that y'all had at least a double because i could have sworn i saw some of y'all go in one way and some of y'all go in the other no we only had one huh. only had one 
yeah, just touring makes that so, so difficult um, to travel a turntable. Like, I think Hamilton just has one, right? Is that one? Hamilton? Two. It's two. Yeah. Well, because well, also because have... the choreography is so, like, based on having the two revolves. Yeah, that, I mean, that show feels very, like, dependent. And they're, for that show, they're not going to change anything. Like, that choreo is what it is. Um, but we basically, like, restaged all of Hades Town for our set because we didn't have the elevator going through the floor. Um, and it was kind of nice, actually. Just because had we got garage. We had the garage. <laughs> yeah, and, like, and it was kind of fun to restage because we actually got to have, like, a creative process with Rachel. Like she was coming up with things. We were coming up with things. If something didn't work, we changed it. Like it wasn't just like we had the director come in and like, go like give us our blocking and set us and be like, you go here, 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 and here. Like it was very much a creative process of restaging Hades town for the road. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so we got more like interaction with the creative team, which honestly ended up being like such a gift, but you know, you get used to, you get used to a rotating floor. You'd be surprised. You get used to it really fast. Jessica Chastain in the 15 minutes of just turning. <laughs> of just turning. I don't know I keep seeing it on TikTok. Everybody's like, like putting funny sounds to it. Like I love it because I think it's a really like it's a really smart thing directing wise because you know it's symbolizing like how much she is this doll in at just a doll's house. Yes. Because yeah. she's just sitting and you know everyone is watching her. And right. I think that it's brilliant directing wise, but I'm like, I don't know if I could do that for like 15 minutes, especially because shows never start on time. So you could be there I for know. 15, you could be there for 30. <laughs> she loses, she completely loses her pre-show. Like she, I mean, you don't, you take for granted like the extra minutes you get, like for our show too, our, our pre-show is like like we got 45 minutes for clothes and wigs and all that stuff on top of all the time it takes to put your makeup on. So like all those minutes before the show that you lose, you feel it. And she's just got to sit on that stage turning My forever before the show starts. Is the video of her when she leaves the theater and like she leaves the theater and she walks down the steps and does the turn oh, yeah. completely in character. And then like after she's like out of like the door frame, she just starts running, but she's still in character while running. And I'm like, girl, what the? F <laughs> I really want to see it. I wish that I would have had time to see that while I was home, but it seems like it's actually really, really cool. Also, wait, I have a question. Where is home yeah. for you? Because your parents were at were in Philly when I saw Hades Town. Yeah, so I live in Westchester. I was born and raised in Westchester, which is like oh, okay. right outside of New York City. Um, oh, okay. So when I when like everything shut down i moved back with my parents and had been there since or until i went on the road um but the, it's super convenient like we're like an hour hour and a half from manhattan um and i have a car so we just like commute in and out of the city like oh i could as, not drive as, in new york city i could i gotten so used to it i used to be so afraid and I've, i'm a, an absolute pro now but also yeah they came to philly because it's like hour 45 minutes from yeah philly. i wow. one of the things that i love because i live in um, mount laurel which is like 30 minutes yes. from philly and one yes. of the things that i love about the location is that you know where like i can take a train up to dc i not DC, yeah. up to d i can take a train up to nyc and it's like an hour and like 54 an hour and like 30 hour 45 minutes depending on where it yeah. is 
Um, I'm like 30 minutes from Philly where I just take the Patco high speed line over. Um, yeah. I then I can take a train. I can drive. It's like a four hour. It's like a three hour drive to DC, but it's like an hour and a half train ride to DC. Yeah. Um, and then we're like two hours from the shore. And so it's like, I, I'm very, wow, it's actually so, so convenient. Yeah. I'm very fortunate in that aspect because it's like, everything is just very much right there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you take the Amtrak when you go to New York? No, I take NJ Transit. Oh, you take NJ Transit? Yes. Oh, that's so smart. Because it's a little bit cheaper. Yeah. I, think it's, I can't remember if it's 30 or $50, but it's a little bit cheaper, but it also um, not... What, what was I going to say? It was like, it's a little bit cheaper, but it's also it's just it's easier because then I can, because yeah. I can purchase a ticket and then I can um just be, and then I can be like, okay, well, if I don't use, because I, then you have like three days to use to it. To use it. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. I can, I, yeah, I can like purchase it. So like I would like, I, when I went to New York in January, I purchased a ticket. And also what's great is that the tickets aren't time stamped. Right. So it's not like you have to be on this train. So like if I miss the train that I was aiming for, I can be like, okay, that's all right. Like there'll be another train in like 45 minutes to an hour. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's how like the Metro North works. Um, I constantly take the Metro North into the city, but the Amtrak is like basically like a flight. <laughs> it's like you're yeah. flying. Like they're very like intense with the ticketing situation. And I remember... The first time I took Amtrak was when I went to DC because I was seeing the Wicked tour. Um, yeah, was that recently? And, yes, that was was in December. Yeah, my friend Kimmy Emanuel was Nessa. Oh, she, oh yeah, that. right, right, yeah, yeah. She was wonderful. I yeah loved it. I because my best friend Samuel, he's a big Wicked fan. He runs on the Instagram Wicked Worldwide. Yeah. Um. And I love him so much. He's my best friend. Um. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me he saw because he saw in he saw in Chicago when he was visiting family. And he was like, "You need to see this because yeah. I was still am slightly losing my faith in Wicked US uh-huh. because the casting is not always there, yeah. and the um costumes are." becoming cheap yeah i mean this is what happens to shows that get this old and i know someone was like there was like someone in like the costume department where they're like well it's not fair because you know we've had the pandemic and i was like no this was happening before the pandemic yeah like glinda's costumes are starting to look like potato sacks um (laughs) there was was a standby (laughs) glinda who the costumes literally looked like they were three sizes too big yeah, yeah. I know that they're very um, costuming for that show is intense, and that's one of I, those shows that, like, if you if your body changes, like, you're kind of shit out of luck with them. Like, they're not super willing to make adjustments or changes. But they used to be, which is my yeah. problem. It's a it's a money thing. People are you know people like to cut corners. And I'm like, but like for me, I'm like, I don't mind like, and I don't mind if you reuse costumes. That's great. Like, yes, recycle, reuse, reduce. But right when. Yeah you reuse costumes you need to sorry i don't know if you can hear that there are people working on the lawn oh Um... no i can't hear it at all my cat is meowing i hope that that's not irritating i did not hear it 
um, oh, we welcome you. Yeah, noisy girl. Good. Um, and I remember, but I like, I don't mind reusing costumes, but I'm like, they have to still look good. Like Phantom reuses costumes that are like 20 years old. Yeah. Like they're not yeah. 20, maybe like, but like, like I know like Russia, which happened in like 2015, 2016, all of their costumes were shipped off to Brazil recently, which was in yeah. like 20, which was like right just when like the theater was reopening. Right. And I'm like, and they looked Christine. They looked like they were brand yeah. new. Like, wicked stuff. Like, and I'm like, and that stuff is also, it's a lot harder to do because it's not as, because it's a lot of layers. It's a lot of like intricate, yes. like hand it's really intricate. Yeah. And it's like, but I know like there are people who are like, and like, but they also, they mix and match costumes sometimes. Like, I know there's people who are so insane with Phantom fans who are like, oh, yeah. well, that's the German style top, but that's the Russian style um, skirt. Or like, or they're like, this is the German top from like the first few years, but then they switched it to this kind of thing. And I'm like, y'all need help. <laughs> okay, but that's so cool, though. Yeah, but I mean, like, I think that, yeah, it's just like these big shows that are, they're like tourist machines. They just know that the show is going to make like a shit ton of money no matter what, mm -hmm. no matter what happens. And so when they cut corners, they do save a lot of money because they just like, you know, they're pumping out dollars constantly. And it's like, they'll make like new dresses for the most random people. <laughs> really? <laughs> like they made new dresses for, I'm not, you know, I'm going to stop there, but like their 20th anniversary Elphaba, they're having her wear like a five-year-old dress. Yeah, that like, looks like a yeah. five-year-old dress and i'm like it's your 20th anniversary alphaba she's asian on top of that your first yeah. principal poc alphaba on broadway since lindsey mendez at the 10th anniversary wow honestly that disappoints me more than anything else the fact I'm that they can't like uh, the girl is green she's green why girl, does it matter the thing that pisses me off so much is that Wicked U.S., specifically Wicked U.S., made such a big deal during the pandemic, being like, oh, once we return, we're going to be casting all, we're going to be, we're going to be more diverse in casting. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And I'm like, yet yeah, you have had, like, I want to say maybe 10 to 15 chances to cast yeah. a Black woman, cast a woman of color in these roles, and you've only done it twice it's such a shame it's such a shame and i'm i'm particularly disappointed in the glinda track too like i think step it up step it up like mean uh, this is absurd and i'm like meanwhile wicked uk had they brought in they brought back alexia kadeem the first so far only black woman to be principal mm -hmm. alphaba they have they had they got their first asian cover alphaba they got their if first black principal alphaba like that can't be the case that just well, no, can't not, be the case no anymore. she's not she's a she did it before in like 2008 2009 yeah oh she was she, the first one ever yeah ever okay, period yeah um but she's still so far the only one that's so disappointing that's so disappointing and it's because they'd rather i'm gonna there's they'd rather bring back people who don't need to be brought back i'll put it that yeah. way yeah they like to just like recycle through people's faves and do like a yeah I and it's it. like that's great but it's like i also know like all of the people that we missed out on we they yeah. said 
My favorite thing is Ashley Park went in for them numerous times. She oh. went into that m for Glinda before the King and I. They said oh no. My God, she would have been so good. They went into she went into them after the King and I. They said no. She went into them before Mean Girls. They said no. And then when she got when Mean Girls was taking off, they asked her to come in, and she said no. Yeah, and I said good for you. I said good for yeah, you. Yeah, you don't, you shouldn't, because that's not a place where you want to work, actually. And then um, I know that they, um, I know they asked Jessica Keenan Win, and but mm -hmm. she turned it down. But I'm also like, I'm like, girl, like, because she said she wanted, she said something like, she's like, I only want to do standby. And they were she like, well, we do want to do full time. Yeah. yeah, but she was like, well, they were like, well, we want you for principal. And she's like, I will only do standby. And I was like, you let that motherfucker do standby. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I respect that though, because like. Uh, doing that one that full time scary scary and then, um, so hard i know like also, like for me the other thing is that i'm like like especially because i'm like i was like i was like in i was like in the recent wicked germany non-replica they had a black understudy for alphabet yeah in the current upcoming swedish non-replica they have an asian woman as principal alphabet <sighs> so it's not so for me it's that's embarrassing my, like and that's like my like and like for me, like I'm also I'm very much someone who I was like, let's get who is right for the role. Let's Absolutely. not just let's not just cast someone to say, oh, we need a black person or not black. We need someone to fill the diversity quota. Right, That's not right, right. how you should cast. We you should cast it because there's they are right for the role. But my thing is that I'm like, there are so many women who are right, right for, the role. for the role. There is Absolutely. Tiana Okoye, there is Ashley Blanchett, there is CR Renee, yes. there is oh, so many Renee women. Would be so good. Oh, I'm like, there are yeah, because because at a certain point, you know, they're just not bringing them into the room. It's not possible that this many incredibly talented women aren't right for the role. You just aren't giving them the opportunity at this well, point, you know? Two of them did go in for the role. Mm -hmm. I know that, I, be now I believe they went in for the role. And they were both either turned down or they were both, or they just decided to bring back other people yeah they other do that people a lot. and i'm like you're bringing back I'll, i can go into this more once we're off because i mean not that i don't care yeah. about but anyway we need to get back to you um <laughs> <so>. <laughs> i know we love a tangent so after so i remember i saw you in 80s town and i remember i didn't know really what to expect i knew that i knew everyone was obsessing over it and i was like okay well let's see how good this really is because normally yeah. when everyone obsesses over something i'm like is it really that good um yeah. i'm the same way and I know, um, so, and I went in and I remember, I enjoy, I remember specifically, I remember, I can laugh about this now, but I remember specifically I with Kimberly Maribel as Persephone. Yeah. I remember I was like, I was like, I was just like, well, let's just see how she compares to Amber. <laughs> I don't know, because Amber is a, she's a wild card. I was just like, let's, I was like, let's see how she compares. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I had Kimberly on the podcast and I remember... I remember I said that to her and I remember like I was talking to her and I said, I remember I was blown away because it was because she didn't compare to Amber at all. I don't mean that in a negative way. It's because yeah. you can't compare the two Kimberly and Amber. Like, I mean, and I've only seen like clips of Amber and listened to like her singing, but like just from the singing alone, they are two very different interpretations of Persephone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. They're, they couldn't be more different. I think that's what I appreciated about the casting of the first national was that everybody was so 
different than the OBC. Like even Morgan mm-hmm. Siobhan Green, who played Eurydice, like couldn't be more different than even Obazada. But they were just really open to what other people brought to the characters. And what I loved about Kimberly was that like she went into it knowing that there was no world in which she could impersonate mm-hmm. Amber Grace in uh, performance. And so she really found her own Persephone, which was like rich mob wife vibe. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, Amber, <laughs> Gray, Amber Gray was like unhinged, drunk, you know, woman. But Kimberly really brought something very posh and very scary to yeah. um, Persephone, which I thought was really, really beautiful. I, I remember I loved her Persef- per- Persephone, Persephone. And I just remember one of the th- one of the things that i love that she said she was like she was like amber gray's a unicorn she was like you can't yeah. copy amber gray and i remember she was saying how the first time she went on for during the broadway run um she was outside the theater and people were buying tickets and there was this one woman who found out that amber wasn't gonna be on and she was like she said something it wasn't like evil or awful it was just like yeah okay and then she was with one of her cast members and then Kimberly walked away and one of her cast members was like, you know, that's the woman who's going on for tonight. Really? And, <laughs> and I remember she said that, I remember, I can't remember, I might be confusing her with someone else, but I remember she said that Amber was very like, she was like, just do your own thing. She's like, and Kimberly, like, yeah. So I remember, I love Kimberly yeah. and I remember when I posted about it on Instagram, I remember she said, thank you so much for joining us. And she's like, yes. And she's like, yes, Sydney is incredible. And I said, Sydney para club Because <laughs> she, she loves you. She was just like. She's so sweet. She's just the best. And she sets such a good energy for a, a rehearsal room. Like she's mm-hmm. just such a calming presence. And um, she like leads with such grace, which honestly made her a perfect fit because like, Something I'm learning about shows in general is that it's not just what you bring on stage, but also like what energy you bring to the room and how you conduct yourself and how you lead, especially with a character like Persephone. Like we do expect sort of like a little bit of leadership out of a person who is taking on that track. And she just Mm -hmm. always led with such kindness and she was really, really a wonderful person to work with. I do remember the only thing that I didn't like about Hades Town. I actually told you this when I saw you at the stage door was all of the lights. I remember specifically at the end, I was like, I had, (laughs) I had like my playbill and I was like. Every, that would happen all the time. I would look down at people and they'd be covering their eyes. And I only saw the show like a couple of times. So I never actually really experienced what people were talking about. Um, But people were always like, yeah, I was blinded. And I'm like, Like, Really? And for me, like, I don't mind having that moment, like, every now and then. But for me, I just felt like the moment it was a little bit too much of it. Yeah, times. yeah, yeah. And it was we a little bit, We have a lot like, of, like, it's all, like, that show is, like, it's big on the lights. We have the Wait For Me lamps that are swinging. There's, uh, there's like, a huge explosion moment close to the end of Act 2 where the lights, like, really Yeah, and that was hot. the moment where I was, like... <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny because also like on stage that I always used to say like Hades Town looks so visually beautiful and like same with same with six and like I would always tell people it feels like a school play on the inside because like it just like I'm literally just like holding the lamps and letting them go and like it feels so anticlimactic from the inside and even that big light explosion looks like nothing 
on the stage for some reason. Like it just feels like nothing. And the audience was always so like over, over stimulated and overwhelmed by that moment. I just, you know what it was giving me? It was giving me the end of cabaret at Ithaca where they had all of those lights at the top just oh, go Oh yeah, off. those like fluorescents. And I remember when we were doing loadout, all of the tech kids were pissed off because they took forever to load out. Yeah. Because it was something like you had to take each bulb out and then, but, and you had to, but like, you had to like care, like you had to make sure all these things were off and then you had to take it out. You had to slowly hand it down and it took like 30 minutes just to do the first one. Oh yeah. You know that everything in Ithaca was like, if we had something nice, like you had to take care of those nice things. Like also, did you see that the, well, the, Oh, am I wrong? Did Into the Woods have a turntable at Ithaca? Maybe. I don't know. That was after my time. I know, but like money. Oh my God. They have turntables nowadays? Like what the well, hell? Well, we had a turntable when we did Ragtime. Oh, I missed Ragtime. I heard it was amazing. It it was incredible except for one person. Um, but I, I heard re- it was <laughs> the best show that Ithaca has done in a really long yes, time. Yes, there were... Um, there was like three or four things that like really like rocked me to my core at Ithaca. The first yeah. one was Luna Gale. Was that a which, play? It was a play that we did. It was in the um the Black Box Studio Five, I think it was. Is that the Black yeah. Box? Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Was I there for that? I can't remember, but it was about like it was about like so- the social service woman and like parents yes, and a child. It. And I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It like I just remember I like I have not been that like I remember I left and I was like you know where the fountain is and the steps that are like right by yeah. fountains I remember just crying on the steps yeah, of the yeah, fountain yeah. and I remember I had um I remember someone I can't remember what her name was but I remember she like literally like came up to me and she's like are you all right and I was like I'm sorry like that just showed like the show just because yeah. it hit close to home in parts because my brother has um high functioning Aspergers. And so it hit, it just hit very close to home. And I remember like, and I have never like cried, cried for media before. Cause I'm very much like, it just doesn't affect me that way. But I remember that specifically, it was so well done. And in that intimate space, and I remember I just left and I was a mess. Yeah, it got you. Yeah. Um, It was that, it was you and Cabaret. (laughs) Um, I overall, I love Ragtime except for the one person, but especially um, Anastasia Ramundos as mother. Oh my God, she's so good. Her, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite things was this little detail where every time she came on stage, her wig, it was slightly messier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until like the end, like with Back to Before, where it was, I mean, it's still a good, but it was like, it was very clear that like, you know, she was like, it was like, as she was unraveling, so was her wig. Like, right, not to the point right, where right. it looked like terrible, but like, to the point where it was like, oh, this is obviously a disheveled woman yeah yeah attention to detail and then in the ending where like where she gets with tate and then um Mm -hmm. and it's like and it's back to like it's like back in like the hairstyle that it was in the beginning but there are still like so it's still not 100 percent all put together again to the point where it's like oh like we see that she is slowly becoming she's slowly getting it back together but she still has those scars from the entire Absolutely. show. And then also um, Mariah Little as um, Sarah. Like, I. Well, she's incredible. My God. She's so damn good. Like, I got chills during her, your daddy's son. 
I have to go see her in Bad Cinderella. I hear that they're doing, um, I forget the, the actress's name who's playing Cinderella, but she, um, Lynette Ganayo. Yes. Lynette. She gave up her Sundays, I think like her Sunday mat matinees. So she'll be doing seven shows a week, which means Mariah is bound to go on quite a, quite a lot. Well, because um, well, no, because they always had that. Because almost every Angela Weber show now has an alternate, just because. Yeah. Is and that's something because especially with Broadway, like the choreo, like they've upped the choreography to the point where, especially for Cinderella, it's intense. So I know that there was always going to be an alternate, which is Savvy Jackson. But, okay, um, great. Yeah. But I know that I'm sure Mariah will get a show. They're going to let her. They're going to let her on. I'm really excited to see her. I think that she's going to be fantastic. Um, but yes. Yeah. So anyway, let's we see. We need, we need to stop getting distracted. We need to get back to. <laughs> Whoops. Um. So moving on to six, this was my yeah. second manifestation for you come true. <laughs> um, I had you as either Bolin or Par. Yeah. Um, and I remember when I saw it. I I remember I had not listened to the music in a while, and I remember when I saw. And I remember I literally. I remember I said I was like. Because I was looking at original ticket prices and they were like, it was like $300. And I was like, look, yeah. I love Sydney, but I am not spending $300 for a 90 minute show. No, I wouldn't either. I, I was like, either, I was like, mama is saving up for London. Mama has to pay for grad school. Hey, <laughs> heard yeah these prices the expense even my parents are like <laughs> why are these so much money <laughs> and then i got and then i found i forget what it was then i looked at like very like cheap prices and i looked for like obstructed views because i was like i'm going on a weeknight there are bound to be empty seats i'll just move up absolutely that's what i did for come from away <laughs> yeah. I with yeah. the picture that I showed you and then I like moved up a few rows so where it was like it was still like I had that bar thing but it was still not like it wasn't the giant column that's that's the way to do it I know that in this theater like the obstructed view is actually like quite obstructed it um, sometimes I is remember, but, then like, I show, but then the I one remember my friend was sitting behind a pole and was like I literally couldn't see anything at all well then I remember the obstructed view that I had for you they were like obstructed view and I was like this isn't really that obstructive it just covers state cover stage left yeah like it's like a, it's like a luck thing the, the way the theater is built is actually very strange but yeah well because it was originally an opera house and it was originally for right. the orchestra so it wasn't right. i mean well mainly the orchestra and so there wasn't really about the views it was about listening to the music yes of <clears> course yeah and then i remember they wanted to tear it down for a while and then um they got um somehow they created it into a touring venue and then they were able to get it mm -hmm. on the national historical society or whatever it's called yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, I remember <clears throat> seeing. <coughs> sorry. Oh, okay. I remember seeing you and watching you and watching you do the choreography, and I remember I just kept saying to myself, "I was like, oh, she's a dancer." I was just like, "Oh my god, thank you!" Because I was just like, I was just seeing it, and I was seeing it with how like you would do, like how you would raise your arm up, and then how you would do. It. I was like, it's so graceful, it's so dancerly. <gasps> um <laughs> so much and nobody ever comments on my dancing and i'm like guys <laughs> I, I, remember, my ass. <laughs> I remember i commented on your dance mainly because i was like i was like this feels a little unnecessary to me oh yeah, yeah. i felt like and don't tell mama like when you're doing those spins i was like that's lovely but that's not yeah. really what you would see in a nightclub <laughs> no you're right you're right you're not wrong but yeah they had me they had me like, take my face i was like i would have i was like I was like, I was like, I would have accepted twerking. Oh, 
<laughs> more acceptable because it's just like it's like i was like but so what was the because this is like this is a big show like the original oh, album yeah. blew up on tiktok oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um and i know like i don't and i don't think anyone was it was like wandavision in a sense no one right. was expecting it to blow up the way it did yeah yeah, I mean, and, not and, even, like, I don't think Toby and Lucy even expected it. And I know that, um, like, they were originally just doing a, um, it was like a quick, like, five, like a one-week performance thing at the Arts Theatre, and yeah. it was incredible. And then they went on a larger UK tour, and they had more costumes and more budget, and it was this thing, and it was, like, becoming this big thing, and then they returned to the West End for a limited engagement, and then they kept having to extend it and extend it and extend yeah. it. And to the point where they had to like hire more, al- they hire two more alternates, and like yeah. it was becoming like. And I remember like it was it. So yeah. So what like and mm-hmm. this? I remember when I saw it on the tour. I remember it was. I've had wild tour like stage door experiences. <laughs> there was when I saw the Disney Princess concert. There was this homeless man. Like he was asking everyone for money. Oh, and he yeah, was like, I yeah. need money. But he was like, I don't need it to buy food. I need it to buy drugs. And nice. he's transparent. I was he like, said, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to lie. Um, and then when I saw, um, when I saw the Oklahoma tour, um, like half yeah. the cast. So with the Forest Theater where it is. So the stage door is like an alley. Because it's oh, like yeah. how with the Force Theater, it's like there's the building for like there's the Force Theater. And then this, the, the um, cast has to go like under like stairs and right. then climb up to get to where the dressing rooms are and so there's an alley where the stage door is and then on the other side like in between the alley oh no like on the other like at the end of the alley there's a gay bar yeah and, like it's a leather bar and i remember what my favorite thing was during oklahoma was seeing like half of the people walk out of the theater and then go right into the bar after it goes the straight into the leather bar that tracks this was the oklahoma <laughs> daniel fish's oklahoma yes <clears throat> yeah absolutely <laughs> and straight I- to the leather bar <laughs> And then um, there was, and then when I saw 1776, there was a girl in full, like, colonial gear. And I was like, what the f-? Oh, my God. I said, I'm coming in costume. And then when I saw, and then when I saw six, like, there was, like, there was, like, these, it wasn't as bad, but it was still, like, there was just, like, it was a lot of, like, very stereotypical, like, theater kids, like, freaking oh, yeah. out, like, when people came out of the stage door, like, I remember when I saw K-pop, it was wild. The yeah. stage door was wild. Like, there was this one girl who was full-on sobbing. Sobbing. Yeah, we get that. <laughs> we get that. It's, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's the, um, it's the age group that it attracts and the type of people that it attracts. Like, this show very much appeals to the young theater kid. Um, it's got all the, like, 13 to 17-year-old girls, like, wrapped around its finger. Um, and I think it really, like, it does something to them. I think that a lot of them are seeing music, live music, in a way that perhaps they haven't been able to see it before. Um, and also, they all identify with one. They all have one queen that they feel like is them. I, so, yeah. yeah. I discovered yeah. it, I think, I discovered it a little bit, the boyfriend that I would harass with, you know, Cliff, um, mm-hmm. I would... Um, <laughs> I discovered it a little bit during him. And then after the breakup, I remember I was still listening to six. And I remember I noticed, I was like, oh my, like my views all of a sudden changed. 
And all of a sudden yeah. I went from being like, I was like, oh, I'm a Bolin to more like, I'm more like Aragon on a good day and Seymour on a Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like we all have our, like they're, we're all multifaceted people. Everybody sees themselves in like little bits and pieces of this. And I think that what's so great about the show is that like Toby and Lucy are best friends and they just wrote it in their humor. Like they mm-hmm. wrote the show in the way that they banter with each other. And they wrote the show in the way that they think that, like, colloquial conversation is funny. And I think it translates really, really well. My favorite, my favorite joke is where it was the song. It was not not really a song. It was Amble and second thing where she's like, where she's like, Catherine is a massive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I love that one. The audience eats that one up. Yeah, that one is so funny. Because I know, like, there was, like, and there was this one, there was this, pe- there was this girl, but there was this, these women behind me who were, like, <laughs> like, they really thought that she was going to say the word, and I was, like, y'all, calm down. I was, like. No, we keep it, we keep it PG. It's a family-friendly musical, I was like, for it, the like, most part. Also, I noticed a lot, like, that, um, I remember I, what, something that I noticed is that I would, I, I won't share this story, never mind. I just, I just know that, like, I had a <laughs> lot of, I have a lot of British friends because Samuel's mm. British and I have other British friends. And so, you know, over there, the word is acceptable. Oh, they and say I, it all the time. Yeah. yeah. And I remember yeah. then in my, um, this was in my, um, we were reading um, our mutual friend in my um, romantic Victorian British lit class. And I remember yeah. I described the one girl as I was like, I was like, she is being a real see you next Tuesday. Yeah. I didn't say the word, but I was like, she's being a real seat. Excuse me. And I was like, because she is. I was like, and I remember my professor laughed at first because I don't think she understood what it meant at the time. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and there was this, there was this one girl who was like, you really shouldn't say that. And I was like, shut up. I was like, shut it's, up. it's really, I mean, it's getting more like common and especially like British humor throws that one around like crazy. Um, and I'm sure if they weren't concerned about keeping it a family-friendly show, they, oh, they fully would have said it. They probably oh, would have yeah. said it like 20 times. <laughs> I agree. I agree. That's <laughs> why I think it would be a good Vegas show because then they can also just like let it rip. I know the Vegas. I'm like I'm very interested to know how the Vegas audiences are accepting the show because they're so used to like um, I, I don't want to say heckling. It's not heckling. No, but they're used to like actually, you know like, the. Yeah, the back. I'm sure that like every time when when um Cleves is like, come on, dance with me, people actually get up and dance with her. Oh my Unlike god! Unlike when yeah. I saw in Philly and no one got up, and <laughs> we struggle. We've been struggling here in Philly. These Philly um front row audience members are not willing to dance with Cleves. So I, I don't like, know. Part of me is like, part of me is like, you know what? What if I just run down in the middle? <laughs> Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. There are some cities where people are like itching like you could tell that they bought that seat because they knew she was going to look to them for for the dance moment but philly's been a tough one i know pre-covid apparently when they were at the arts theater apparently they used to bring someone up on stage no way yeah pre-covid i believe don't quote me on that but yeah that tracks that tracks or cleaves would come or Cleves would probably come out into the, I think, no, I think it was more like Cleves came out into the audience. Yeah, that kind of thing had to go at a certain point with the COVID precautions. Like, it just got too complicated to finesse that kind of thing. I know we had, like, a moment in Hadestown where we wanted to have an Orpheus running through the audience moment. And we were like, nah, there's too many rules now. We and also because with touring venues, I mean, each venue, like, the, yeah. like, 
with the academy music specifically i mean that's a long distance to run oh yeah and it's also like that adds something to the top of our load-in day or our um sound check day that you, you have gotta to like then, you gotta time every, it out and you gotta exactly like, every theater I'm is a, different i'm amazed how the lion king manages to do it with touring when oh, all yeah. the animals come down the aisles because i'm like especially because it's not like they're all just walking in a single pace. No, like they have to be in sync when they're walking, especially for the elephant Bertha. Um, yeah. Which I still I mean, love they, they call the elephant Bertha. I think at this point, Lion King has probably been to these venues like before that they times. Probably... So they have like blocking and staging, but it's, well, I'm sure the first time around was extremely complicated for whoever's job it was to figure that out for them. Or like cats. Yeah. Because some places, what? Is that still touring? Are they done? No, it's it's touring now, but it's not equity. It's not um, equity, yeah. Okay. And I remember, um, and I, I remember I saw it when it was equity, and it was in Buffalo, right. and um, Andy's choreography was choreography. Um, <laughs> not a huge fan of cats. Never have been. I know a Get lot out. of people aren't. It's Get another out. tourist. It's another tourist musical. I you I'm, know. It's a, it holds a close place in my heart, and I'll do a brief story for everyone listening on the podcast because they've heard this billions okay. of times before. It was mm-hmm. my introduction to theater, the two-tape VHS. Oh, um, yeah. Classic. I watched Classic. it so much that the tape broke. Um, we then got a DVD of it, and I watched the DVD so much that it now goes mute in parts. No way. You yes. wore it down. I And I would do it all the time. I would do it like I would have, like, I would, like, bring out, like, for some reason, we had this massive tire in our garage. I don't know why. Um, and so I would bring it out. I would bring up Tupperware, and I would bring, like, like a step stool, and I would make a set in the kitchen. And I'd be like, you're going to watch me do this while I had it, like, playing in the background. And then That's I would yell, so cute. And then I would yell at my family if they watched the TV and not me. Um, yeah. yeah. And I would also do it when we were on vacation. I would do it when we were... I would do. I would do it at like Christmas time when we had people over. I, w- I can't <laughs> wait for the one the one person revival of Cat starring you and you alone. No, where Mama you play doesn't. every you play every cat. Mama doesn't have the strength in her anymore. He <laughs> <laughs> said, "I've had my run." Um. So, what was the audition like for Six? Because I feel like always, whenever someone talks about their audition process for Six, they never really go in for just one role. They're seen for a variety of roles. Yeah, so I I know that that was the case for a lot of the girls I'm traveling with. I I I've said this so many times. I have a vague memory of singing "Don't Lose Your Head" in addition to the par material. So they had they were looking at me for Bolin and par. I think I did that one time, and then they were like, you know what, stick to par. So they cut the Bolin material from my packet. And then I think from then on, I was auditioning for just par alone. And I went through the entire callback process before the pandemic. My final callback was supposed to be, get this, same day as my Town final callback, which was the day that Broadway shut down. The day that Broadway shut down, I was supposed to see company. Oh. And we were leaving out the door to go to the train station. And they canceled it. When I checked my email and they said all Broadway is closed down. And I said, motherfucker. <laughs> like, like, I, I understood it, but I was still like, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really disappointing and also very scary. I remember I showed up to Pearl Studios and I had a full day of callbacks that day. I, w- I was in for, at my final for Town, final for six, and I had a final for Suff, um that day, and which did a, a run at the public. Um, and I 
got to Pearl, I drove an hour and 15 from Westchester to get there. And as soon as I walked in, they changed the board where they have like the room assignments and it said six callbacks canceled. And I was like, Oh, okay. I get a call immediately. My agent said Suff's callbacks are canceled. Hades home was the only thing that went through with their schedule that day. So I ended up doing that, but I had gone through the entire callback process for six. Um, up until that point, it was supposed to be my last one. And then we ended up doing a couple work sessions on zoom for some reason, like right when things shut down. Cause I think we were still like, I, I, we were hopeful that it was going to come back within like a month or two. Well, I know that my parents, they're both nurses and they worked uh, and they like, they like the entire, like where my parents work in Philly, like everyone was throughout the hospital was convinced like, oh, this is going to be a month, a exactly. few weeks tops. Exactly. No, I, no one expected it to be this massive thing. Yeah, of course <clears> not. <throat> of course not. And I think Town was like, Hades sound was like we're putting a pin in this for a while they knew that nothing was gonna was gonna change six kept going with their process i think probably just to get everything they needed on tape while they could mm -hmm. um for a couple weeks after so i did do a work session on zoom with the team when things were shut down and then another it was it was same situation they were like all right like we're gonna have you in for a final final at some point but like question mark who knows when so I uh, ended up booking Hades Town before I got the opportunity to finish out my process for six. Um, and then they started casting uh, the Bolin tour, which was the second tour. And they kept asking me to come in for this. And my, I, I, I wanted to, but I was on the other side of the country. And I don't know if this is something you know, but like when you fly in for an audition, like I, I was about to pay $700 to get on a plane to go for a callback that I didn't necessarily know was going to take me anywhere. And I was really hesitant to do so at the time. And I kept telling them, my agents, I was like, guys, if I go, I do not want to jump through hoops. They have to get everything they can in two days. And then I have to go back to LA because I have to, I was in the middle of a run. And finally I ended up biting the bullet because they asked me like three times to come in. Finally, I ended up biting the bullet and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to buy the ticket. I got to buy the ticket. It feels like, I feel like in my gut, this is going to work out. So I did it, bought the ticket. I went in, I danced for them. I did one more work session, flew back to the West Coast. I felt so good about it. And I was like, you know what? If they don't cast me, then whatever. Like this, I did the best possible work I could do. I've auditioned a billion times. Like if they don't want to cast me, it's, you know, it's nothing to do with me because I really felt proud of what I had done. Um, and then two weeks later, I was on a boat in San Diego with my friends. We had rented a boat for the afternoon. Wait, we like, I remember that. <laughs> I was like in the middle of the sea in California. And my agent calls me and he was like, Sydney, hold on, hold on. We're putting you on speaker. And I was like, okay, I booked it. Like I knew when they were putting me on speaker and everybody was about to like, you know, do a whole shebang that I had booked the show. So they told me on the phone, I think like a week later, I put in my four weeks, um, came home for a second, like a split second before I dove into the six rehearsal process. Um, so the audition process like collectively was like years long. If you consider all of the waiting that happened between the shutdown and when things started again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I remember the Hayston tour is wild because there are like a lot, there was like a lot of early people leaving, like people leaving early people 
Oh, yeah. Because I know, I think Kimmy left early. Yes. Kimmy as well for early. Wicked. Um, Nick left early. Yes. Um, but also what I found interesting about the Hadestown tour is how they're kind of doing it like, and also Six as a whole, is they're kind of doing it like how the UK does it, where when they bring in a new cast, they're bringing in almost an entirely new cast. They're having them all rehearse together. Yeah. They're, and it's because like how they do it, like in the UK, like they, it's like typically like they all like, even if you're in the, sh- even if you're in it, like, let's say like you're in the show year one and you're staying into it in year two, but there are a bunch of new people going into year two. You're still going back into the rehearsal room. Right. Yeah. It seems like that's, uh, it's perhaps something that people are starting to adopt more yeah. over here is the UK style of just rota- rotating out an entire principal cast at once. And I think like to keep things fresh, it's actually perhaps a bit useful. Um, so we are very much a question mark about what happens to us at the end of our, our year contract. I um, think like, I mean, I think it's very, it's a very interesting, I think it's a, I think it helps a lot specifically with shows like six and yeah. like wicked because then it allows the time for the cast to bond. I agree. And I think for a show like six, like we all got onboarded obviously at the same time and we bonded in such a, an organic way that like mm-hmm. our humor on stage is like our humor. It's like our brand of, of humor. And like, we do what makes each other laugh in this show. And typically the audience likes it. The audience likes being invited into our dynamic and our I dynamic was, is so specific. I was cackling so hard at specifically two parts. It was literally all of Bolin. Is it Zap? Zan. Zan, okay. I was like, no, it was yeah. Zab or Zan. And I remember yeah. her and Don't Lose Your Head. And then in um <laughs> in House of Holbein, she she does this thing where she has oh, her yeah. arms up like like almost like she's carrying like two pails of water. And she's but she's like bouncing up and down. And I remember I was looking at her and I was like screaming. I was that girl like, is she is an absolute gremlin. I love her. She like she is just the weirdest Anne Boleyn in the whole world. And then my other favorite thing, one of my other like favorite comedy moments was when it was your turn. They all like pushed you center stage and you're like and I was the all like I let out this big cackle and I was <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> like it's, yeah. Yeah, my show stopped moment. Yeah, I, I mean, and then I like, I mean, I'm known as the cackler. Like, I remember was specifically also when it's me and my brother specifically. We both were just a pack of hyenas. I've said this before. Yeah, um, because also sometimes, like, I remember I can't remember what one time I was just being annoying to my brother, and I was just staring at him, and I was just like stepping back and forth. And he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, this is my two-step. <laughs> it was so stupid that we just started, like, cracking up. And then when we saw Oklahoma in um, Kansas City, um, Will, um, Will Parker goes, this is called the two-step. And we both just started dying and looked at each other. <laughs> we're like, so we, we saw Town, this regional production of Town, And um, we were yeah. cackling so hard that we were known as the laughers backstage. Oh, that's great, though, because we, we I like an active audience member. I like to know people are enjoying themselves. There's nothing that bothers me more than somebody who's just sitting there like, I'm like, I mean, hello, please, help. I mean, I've had those moments. I 
I had that moment when I was watching Hamilton with King George. I did not find any of it funny. And hey, it's not the responsibility of the audience to respond to us. Yes, you it's know, your no fault what. if we're not it's, laughing. It is your honestly, fault. Honestly, though, I was, I was thinking about this last night. I was like, you know what? Sometimes we get audiences that are really sleepy. And everybody just responds in a different way. Maybe they find it humorous, but you don't have to be cackling, rolling in your seat about it, you know? I remember when I saw Tina, the t- <laughs> when, because I love, like, I always have, like, the, I remember I was sitting behind this woman, and when um, Tina fights back against, like, this old black woman behind me to say, that's right, you better beat his ass anime. <laughs> oh, my God, I love that. She was, like, she was in it. She was I. In it. Or when I saw the color purple, and at the end when Mister comes back to Celia, and when I saw on Broadway when Mister comes back to Celia, was like, "Let's get married." There was this older white woman who, like, at the very quiet moment, you just would say, "No, <laughs> <laughs> no." And then, like, you could oh even see like the character, like the actors on stage, like Celia had to turn back, and was, it was Adriana Hicks who I saw, and Celia had to turn back because she was laughing. <laughs> Yeah, we have, I mean, we have a lot of those moments as well, because we really opened the door for interaction. We've had some interesting, we've had some interesting moments where the audience decides they want to we in the show. So, I have a question for you. Oh, yeah. I have a question for you. So, um, a, what I, I was talking to my one friend about this, and pe- apparently a lot of pars find the role challenging. Yes. Because there is so little to do, because you're waiting, yes. you're the very last one, and you don't really argue with the other queens. You're just like, yeah, what the heck are we doing? So was that the case for you? It was. I think that painting the arc in a way that like makes my song um, and my monologue feel justified is actually very challenging because I have so little opportunity to bond with the audience. Like at this point, they know what Anne Boleyn is like. They know Catherine of Aragon's like flavor of sass. Like they've grown to love the way that these girls bicker and I'm not given a ton of opportunities to bond with the audience. And at, you know, basically the very tail end of the show, I have to entirely introduce myself and win them over and tie the thesis of the piece in a bow, which is, it's a tough, it's a tough task. And honestly, like depending on how the show has gone up until that moment, sometimes it falls a little flat and sometimes it really works. Um, But it is a bit of an acting challenge and the way that it's written doesn't necessarily set you up for success every time. And it's a hustle on the part of the, of the Catherine Parr that night to make the show feel justified almost. I remember, I think, I mean, I was for it because also I know you. So I was like, Oh, I know. Like, and also, I mean, I knew what like the, that part was last one, but I also, I knew you, so I was like, I was like watching you in parts, and so I was like, so it was a lot easier yeah. for me because again, I know you, I, but also I was not aware that because again, I had only seen you in as Sally Bowles, and I remember I literally right. said this to you at the stage where I was like, I did not know you could sing like that, and then all of a sudden, like <laughs> all of like my dream role manifestations for you like changed because I was like, oh, because I had just assumed you were like an alto, like a low alto from yeah. Sally Bowles. <laughs> yeah i know I got, and then all of a sudden i, I, was, like, I was like oh i was like <laughs> so yeah, yeah and I, but yeah. yeah i thought you did i thought you all did a very good i mean my favorites were bolin cleaves and par yeah um yeah i remember um i just yeah i just but yeah i i had i really enjoy i thought you did a very good job with the arc the little yeah, one that right. there was because i think you did but again, also, I do, I know you, so I was like, oh, because I was, so I was right. already invested in you. 
Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's hard when my friends come to see it because they're obviously their eyes are on me. So anything I'm trying to do to build my arc, anything that's happening in the in the back corner of the stage where Catherine Parr is ruminating on how she feels about what's going on, my friends are catching because they're watching me. Um, so sometimes an audience member catches it and sometimes people know going in that they just identify with the quiet one. So mm-hmm. they have their eyes on me the whole time. And like the people who love Parr really, really love Parr. I mean, it's typically all the same type of person. Like it's the, it's the wallflower type. Um, and yeah, so I'm happy to, to hear that you felt like it was justified. And I think that for the most part, I am able to win over the audience. I think I found, I found the formula to making the monologue into song feel um, relatable and feel honest in a way that it's a, it's a change of pace from what's happened in all the songs beforehand. So the audience actually feels invited in. Um, I think, I hope. <laughs> you are. I think you are. But I mean, yeah. but you are because I also, I have very high standards. So you um, do, you do. I, That's good. That's a high compliment then. It's a high compliment. I, I, I did not make a lot of friends at Ithaca because of my high standards. Um, That's and, okay. Because most people do have very high standards in the industry. And, I remember I was just, there was, I, I can go into stories afterwards. Um, <laughs> there was, um, uh, I'll, oh, I'll, I'll tell you one story about, I'll tell you one, mm-hmm. I'll tell you a story after we get off. But yeah. Um, yeah, so how much longer are you in six for? So I have another six months left of my contract. Um, things are sort of up in the air about what, what it looks like for us afterwards. Like, again, we are, um, we are wondering if there will be a full recycle of the cast we truly don't know i know some of us are interested in staying longer um but you know this show physically is very very demanding so i think that a lot of us have sustained injuries a lot of us are physically tired we travel a lot so we'll see how many people stick around past the six month mark um but i have adored my time with this show so far um i would love like obviously i'm manifesting into the world that six takes me to broadway at some point i would love to be a part of the broadway queen thumb um but you know who knows they also have new girls over there who have to cycle out of full mm-hmm. years worth of time um but i would love if my journey continued but as of now i think that our last city as a unit is san antonio in the fall i think but i could be wrong i could be wrong i, could, I have to really take a look at my schedule but i know that we'll all be wrapping around wrapping up around like october so we've unfortunately reached the end of the interview oh thank you so much for talking so, to me. i had so much fun gabbing with of you of course yeah. i love gabbing with you too yeah um so i just have three final questions for you yeah first things first where can the people find you online <gasps> okay you can follow me on instagram at sydney para i would i have a tiktok you can follow me on there. Don't expect content. You know, I, I, maybe I'll try, but like, it's, it's, you're probably better off on the Instagrams. I only have a TikTok because I'll occasionally look at cat videos. Well, duh. I love to go on TikTok and scroll endlessly for hours. Oh, see, I'm more of an Instagram scroller. Really? See, I've had to put the Instagram down. I don't want to see people I know so much. Like, I don't really want to, I just want to see the things I like. I want to see cats. I want to see food videos, arts and crafts, you know, it's just like the mindless scrolling is a good way to decompress every now and then. Well, also, I don't, I don't have a lot of friends, I don't have a lot of like friends like that, like I literally like 
I remember yeah. I went through once I graduated from high school, I went through a purge where I unfollowed a bunch of people. And then yeah, that's healthy. College, that's good. I went through another purge where I pretty much unfollowed oh, yeah. everyone except for like 10 people. Um, that's okay. You gotta do it. And then I know that I did that also with my friends lists on um, Facebook because yes. sometimes yeah. I just like it just sometimes it's just good to purge because sometimes you're like, why am I? I'm like, you're like, I don't know who this person is. Yeah, if you don't know who they are, there's no need to have that much information coming at you all the time. So, you know. And then my second question is, do you have anything you want to plug? Anything you want to promote? Do you have anything I want to plug? Honestly, as of now, no. Come see the show. Um, you can find our schedule on the website. Um, I will be joining the We Are The Tigers reunion concert at 54 Below this summer. The date has slipped my mind but it's on the instagram so go look at the 54 below instagram um and check that out for the date um uh, i think there's still tickets so come by if you can and then my final question for you is there a lady you would love to have lunch with <gasps> is there a lady i'd love to have lunch with oh my god this is a hard question yeah okay if we're talking broadway katrina link katrina link is her obsession i just think she's so phenomenal i want to be her when i grow up her when i saw her tony's performance i have never uh, seen such like raw like sexual energy in a tony awards performance there's like i she's singing the song there's like a napkin on her knee I remember being like, I want to be that napkin. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have never seen, like, like, the, the, like, and it wasn't even, like, you know, it was, like, a sexual number. It was just she's not, how... The thing is, she's not doing anything. It's her energy. She, she has, has, like, such an inviting energy. And she, like, and it's just, like, it's so, like, I remember I was, like, I remember I think I tweeted. I said, that was, I was, like, am I the only one? Or was that, like, really sexy? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, like, like, was that? hot that was like because it was just like her energy and like how like she just like with her hands and like oh oh my god i adore her i think she's such a brilliant physical actor um yeah huge huge fan love katrina lank would love to have lunch with her hit me up katrina um (laughs) (laughs) any others i think let's think let's think let's think um, you know, obviously, like Patty Lupone, because I think she's a trip. Like, I just want to know how her <laughs> how her mind. I works. would love if I were a drinker. I would love to go clubbing with Patty Lupone. That's what I'm saying. I want to get drunk with that woman. Yeah. My thing is, I would want to get. I would want to go clubbing with Patty Lupone, and then I would want to have like a nice alcoholic brunch with Shirley Ralph. Oh yeah, boozy brunch. Again, That's but I'm also, great. I'm a person who doesn't drink, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I am. <laughs> All right. So thank you so much for joining me again. It was so wonderful Thanks talking to you. me. Thanks for playing. I'm so of happy course. I got the opportunity to hang. All righty. I will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye. So here's to the girls on the go, everybody tries. Look into their eyes and you'll see what they know, everybody dies.
that invincible bunch The dinosaurs surviving the crunch Let's hear it for the ladies who 